testimony of growing up in a Hindu family. And did you know that Shresh got saved on Christmas Sunday a number of years ago? And God has called him. And uh, what I love about Shresh is it's not only his life that, that was changed, but uh, God's using him in great ways uh, and continuing to use him. And, and I just I so appreciate his heart and his spirit. So I'm going to invite him up to give his testimony uh, tonight. I want you to open your hearts up to what the Lord is going to speak to you. And if you're interested, uh, we actually made copies of his testimony, and they're available in the Welcome Center. And then when he's done, we're going to pray, and then I'm going to just preach a short word, and we're going to go back into worship at the end. But I want you really to open up your hearts to how the Lord can transform a life. God's in the business of transforming people, changing their lives. And uh, what a testimony. Shresh, come on up. Uh, he shared this with me. I want him to share it with you tonight. Thanks, Shresh. Thank you. Oh, let me get your mic. Good evening. Praise the Lord. Uh, good evening to all my friends who are listening online too. Thank you for this wonderful privilege that you have given a couple of minutes to come and share the testimony of what God has done in my life. Dear brothers and sisters, what God has done in my life, I'm going to share exactly. There is no lie in every word how God has spoke to me and how God has transformed my life. And I'm a living witness. One day I am accountable to God what I'm speaking here. Greetings in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. My name is Suresh Kumar Sunkari. I come from India, city of Hyderabad, Andhra Pradesh, born in a Hindu family. My family is an idol-worshipping family of Hindu religion with three million gods. And my dad uh, worshipped Hindu gods and goddess. My mom worshipped Hindu gods and goddess and used to offer sacrifices. My dad worshipped goddess of wealth, who is, uh, he believes that they give the wealth to the people. And uh, he worshipped the goddess of wisdom. He also worshipped the goddess of power, who gives power. My mom used to offer sacrifices every other day in a week to protect us to different kinds of goddess who has ten hands, whatever it is. Uh, and uh, about me, as, the, as our Lord Jesus Christ is the centerpiece of the civilization before Christ at the foot of the cross and after death to the world, in my life, I have a before Christ in my life. And when I came at the foot of the cross, how God has transformed me and what is my, what is my life after death to this world, my before Christ. I'm the only son and second of the four to my parents. My dad's name is Johan Sunkari and my mom name is Dayamani Sunkari. My parents were working as contract employees in a public sector organization and uh, for a certain time and they have lost their jobs. Uh, the joblessness of my parents brought some family disturbances. As the time passed, it was very tough for us to manage living. And uh, my dad started a small cafe in our house where we could make the living. The business ran very well, and uh, it grew so much. From a small cafe, it grew up to a grocery store. I was in sixth grade, a high honor roll student who always walked in the father's instruction till that time. And when I was in sixth grade, my job role as a 
kid was, as a sixth grade student was, wake up early in the morning at four o'clock. We didn't even had a clock. I don't know, my, uh, my dad always used to wait whether the rooster has made a noise crook. And if we don't know when it is, it's three o'clock or four o'clock. He used to wake up at that time. And the first thing was I have to study for an hour, then take my bicycle, go ride five miles and get vegetables and milk, go sell it and make money and manage the store. This is from four o'clock to 8.30 a.m. in the morning and 8.30 a.m. we have to start quickly to the school. And this continued for years and after a couple of days, you know, like, uh, uh, then I was dealing with more money and, you know, like I had to carry hundreds of rupees in my wallet and somehow the enemy had, uh, you know, like, uh, gave me a zeal how to steal money from my dad's cash register. So I was dealing with money and uh, I started stealing from money from the cash register just to treat my local friends, take them to a bakery and put that money in the game of cricket. And this continued for years and years from sixth grade to 10th grade and uh, the business was totally in red. It was lost and it caused the shutdown of the business. At this time, it was a year in the year 1994. Dad accepted Jesus Christ as a savior in the year 1994. And he always forced each and every family member to come and accompany with him to the church. And uh, I didn't like this actually, because I didn't have liberty because every Sunday I used to go early in the morning from four, uh, every Sunday when I learned to steal money, I used to go out with my friends and I used to play games and I used to return sometime in the evening. And I didn't like this and somehow my mom accepted Jesus Christ as, his, as her savior in the year 1999. For me, I didn't have any interest in attending the church just because of my dad has took my freedom and I had no liberty and I didn't have any time. So for me, I did not stop worshiping idols and in order to manage living after the shutdown of business, my dad started doing labor work. He was a painter and he used to go 10 miles on the bicycle and he used to work and he used to return sometime in the evening. And I continued to sell vegetables and milk in the local communities how to make some money. I used to go around five or six miles, and out of that, I was a good uh, business. I don't know, like I used to make 100% profit whatever I earned, but I, I used to give only 20% in the house and 80% I used to spend on my friends just to get the fame and name so that uh, Suresh, yeah, he's a good guy, something like that in the local friends. And, uh, and uh, when I was in 10th grade, I, uh, when I took my examination, I barely got the credits to go to the high school, and I just got 44%, where I was a high honor roll student till 6th grade, and I was always the school topper among uh, 300 children, and I was always the topper, and, and I was the last when I came to the 10th grade. And that's how I, ru I ruined my career. And uh, somehow I got, got admission into the community college to study commerce. And uh, however, I never attended college. And I learned something new to go and watch movies along with my friends. And I made friends who have a similar kind of interest, who love playing cricket, and who want to go and watch movies, and uh, who wants to enjoy the life. Life seemed very pleasurable for me in darkness. And during these two years, uh, he, in India, we call it as intermediate college here it is high school in the United States and during these two years I did much labor work without knowing to my dad I worked as a painter I worked as a mason I worked as a plumber I worked as an electrician just to make more and more money and treat my friends and so that I could pay the tickets for uh, so that I could buy my tickets on my own and I could buy tickets for my friends too finally I passed out my high school with 44 percent which is which are barely very uh, you know like very uh, low grade student get that max and my dad noticed that I'm ruining my career and he wants 
wants to take entrance examination to get into the undergraduate program at that time. And he was behind my life, and he wants me to study. He used to beat me every day. Somehow, I, was, I, got, uh, I cleared that entrance examination for the undergraduate program. And uh, I made it to the one of the best universities in India to study bachelor's in computer applications. To my grief, in the university, I found the same friends who, who, wants, who have the same desire, who wants to go for movies, who love movies, and uh, who wants to watch all kind of dirty movies, and who, who desired more than I, uh, they wanted to play the game. So that's how it continued. Now I have two more reasons. One is playing cricket, and one is watching movies along with my friends. And this continued for years. Again, during the undergraduation program, most of the times I did labor work just to uh, half a day, from eight, starting 8 o'clock to 12 o'clock, and I earned some money, and I used to put it and uh, buy tickets for my friends, or else I used to put it in the game. And this continued for years and years, and from 1994 till 2003, I was a person, a kid, who never listened to my father. During all these years, I could count one, two, three, four, five, six. It was only five or six times I have attended the church. And this was my before Christ. When I came at the foot of the cross, how God has transformed my life. On December 25, 2003, on a Christmas day, my dad invited me uh, to a Christmas service. And uh, the pastor was, I'm running out of time. I'll quickly finish it. <laughs> my dad invited me to Christmas service. Pastor is sharing the, the pastor is sharing the sermon on a prodigal son. And as I started reading the passage from Luke chapter 15, starting from verse 11, my stubborn heart started melting, how the younger son ignored his father and wasted his life. I was weeping after reading the passage on my, so, uh, on my own. And I, I understood what the younger son actually did when I read that uh, passage on my own. And uh, he soon, in the middle of the sermon, he got into a parable. I want everyone's attention and uh, how God has transformed my life and how God has spoken to me. It seems, this parable sees, uh, goes like this. It seems a movie theater owner had a speaking parrot, and its job was to stay at the main entrance and should welcome everyone, saying that, hello, welcome to the show, hello, welcome to the show. Days passed, months passed, the parish was fed up to speak the same routine centers and to see the same old faces daily. One day it heard from its owner that uh, they are organizing a Christian meeting in the, in the arena and uh, the parrot learned from the owner that uh, the Christians are so obedient, the Christians are so honest, and they are called the sons and the sons of the living God. And they go to the church every Sunday. And the parrot was happy listening to these things, and uh, it was so happy that she can see some new faces. Now the parrot has to learn a new sentence because it is welcoming godly people. It's not welcome to the show, but the new sentence is, Hello, greetings in the name of Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. Hello, greetings in the name of Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord, sitting at the main entrance. Finally, the day has come, and the first person entered the hall was the pastor who organized. It was so happy to see the pastor and welcoming him. So with the second person, when the third person, fourth person, fifth person, sixth person entered into the cinema hall, the parrot recognized that these are the same people who walk into the theaters daily who call themselves as obedient, who call themselves as honest, who calls themselves as the sons of the living God, and it wept and it was felt very much depressed in his heart that these guys call themselves with all those tags what the owner has described. As the pastor said this parable, I came into my senses that I used to do the same thing. I used to tell my friends, telling that I'm a Christian, and I used to give them party on a Christmas day and on an Easter Sunday, and I used to watch all kind of these dirty movies along with my friends. When I came into senses that, as the pirate wept, and uh, 
I tell my friends that I'm a Christian and I watched all kind of dirty movies along with my friends. And I was responsible for the loss of my dad's business as the younger son was responsible in the parable, as, uh, as, the, as his dad lost the fame and name in the community, so I, my dad lost the name and fame in the community where I was living. I brought uh, so much distress to my parents that being a high honor roll student in the whole community where I was respected more than anyone, I was brought down to earth. Everyone who saw me, Suresh, we thought this guy is an excellent guy, but look at the grades, how much he got. He barely made it to the high school. And uh, it went. So I, I wept under the guilt of my sin when I, when I listened to this parable. Lord, if you, if you are the one, if you could change me, if you are the one who could welcome me, and I accept that I am a sinner, and uh, I confessed all my sins, and the Lord's conviction came on my pretendence to be an obedient and a helping son and a willing son and a honest son. And soon I felt the hand of the living God touching me and welcoming me into the house and giving me a new robe, which is salvation, and giving me a new ring, which is the inheritance, calling me as the child. I know as the parrot has wept, in the same way, our heavenly father is waiting at the door and looking out and seeking for his children. One day, my child will realize the mistake, what he has did, and he will come back to us. He's weeping. He's weeping and weeping, weeping. I wept, and I asked for conviction. I, 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 was, I wept so much under the guilt of my sin that the Lord's conviction has come upon me. And this is what it happened at the foot of the cross. And on the same day, December 25, 2003, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. And April 11, 2004, I took baptism. After death to the world, the resolutions that I made in my life, every new year, every person makes a resolution in his life so that he walks uh, and he reaches those goals in the new year. And the resolutions that I made in my life was, for all the lifetime, will be faithful at all times and never cheat my heavenly father as I did my father, will trust the Lord and be thankful in all circumstances, will give to the Lord faithfully rather than stealing from him. I never gave to my dad the money which I have earned. I always steal. I earned 100% profit, but I never gave to my dad. I gave only 20%, and 80% I, I spent for the world. But on that day, I made a decision saying that, Lord, I will give you faithfully, even though I have or I doesn't have it, but I will never steal from him. And I will seek your kingdom above all else, above all else, and I will live righteously as long as I live on this earth. That's what I made the resolution, and I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior on that day at the foot of the cross. And after death to the world, quickly in two minutes, uh, uh, how I am blessed. When you say blessed, B-L-E-S-S, body, B stands for body, L, labor, E, education, S, spiritual, S, social, body. You know what? I just shared my before Christ, how I was. I didn't have any rest right from 4 o'clock to 8.30. I was working as a milk seller, vegetable seller, did all kind of labor work, never had rest in my life. Matthew 11.28 says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. That's what my body got rest in the, when I came to the Lord Jesus Christ. Labor. I'll, Labor, you all know that I was a vegetable seller and a milk seller, how I have been transformed. But uh, Psalms 1.3 says, He's like a tree planted by streams of the water that yields fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, it prospers. These are the promises that I am sharing, my dear brothers and sisters. This, I didn't refer it from the Bible. Every year, God gave me a promise, and it fulfilled it. And... Uh, uh, 
the labor, how I was, uh, you know, like I didn't have any money. One day I suffered for two cents. Today God blessed me so much, so much, so much. You can speak to me after. I can share how much God has blessed me today. And uh, God blessed me, transformed my life from a labor worker to a software engineer. Education was a low-grade student who made only 44%, but when it came my undergraduation and master's, I finished my graduation with an A-plus student. And God, God has taught me so many things as, as spiritual. And I was living in a thick darkness, and uh, life seems to be very pressurable. But Colossians 1.13 says that God has transferred from the domain of darkness to the kingdom of his beloved son. As the last stands, social life. God gave me a wonderful promise, Zephaniah 3.20. I will give you fame and praise among all the people of the earth. And today, every family in the community looks after my family, and they want to raise up children in such a way, be faithful to God, and work as hard as uncle's sons had worked. And everyone is looking towards our family. God bless me so much, body, labor, education, spiritual, and social life. My dear brothers and sisters, that is what God has done in my life. Before Christ, at the foot of cross, and after death to the world. I wanted to share a couple of scriptures, and when I recognized that I am a sinner, I saw how God has blessed me in my life. If that is your turn today, Romans 3.10 says, none is righteous, no, not one. Romans 3.23 says that for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Psalm 51 says that behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and sin did my mother conceive me, which means we all are sinners. But when we repent and when we believe, John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but will have an eternal life. Psalm 103.12 says that, As far as the east is from the west, so far he will remove all of our transgression from us and he will give us a new life. Isaiah 44.22 says that, I have blotted out your transgressions like a cloud and your sons like a mist. Return to me for I have redeemed you. Isaiah 43.25 says that, I, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and I will will not remember your sins what you are and you are a new creation in Lord Jesus Christ through his son and we have to receive the free gift of Jesus and his salvation John 1 12 says that but all who did receive him who believed in his name he gave the right to become the children of God Romans 10 13 says for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved Romans 8 Romans 8 1 says that there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus and but you have been transformed into a new life. There is now no, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Finally, Revelation 3.20. Behold, he is standing at the door and he is knocking now. If anyone hears the voice of our Lord Jesus Christ and he opens the door of our heart, he will come into us and he will transform us into a new creation and we will eat with him and he will be with us. This is my testimony how God has transformed me. Thank you, Suresh. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I would have liked to see the before Jesus Suresh because uh, I don't know of anybody that's more on fire for the Lord that wants to tell people about Jesus, that wants to see lives changed, and um, just the transformation that happened in his life. And if you missed any of the things that he said, again, it's printed out in the lobby, and you can take that with you, with the scriptures. But uh, just as he was sharing, I was going to do this at the end of service, but I'm just going to do it now because I don't know where you're at as you sit here on the last night of, of, of the year. And we're going to spend a time kind of looking at the word and praying and, and singing at the end. But I just want us to, 
um, right now, uh, just dedicate our lives to the Lord. And if you've been playing in a game like Shresh was for many years, you know, stealing, doing things you shouldn't do, saying one thing, doing another, God does new things all the time. And He can do something new in your life tonight. And uh, so we're not going to wait. Today's the day of salvation. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and your hearts with me. And just as on a Christmas Sunday morning, as the word was preached, and the prodigal son was mentioned, and Shoresh saw himself in that. Maybe you saw yourself tonight, and you just want to make that commitment to the Lord. And so I'm going to say a, a simple prayer, and, and again, I know there's many people watching online, and, and you can just repeat this prayer after me. And uh, when you do, you are making a commitment to Jesus Christ. And he is going to come in and he is going to transform your life just as he transformed Shoresh. From one that was born into a Hindu family, following Hindu gods, doing things that he shouldn't be doing, and yet God is now using him in tremendous ways. God can do that with you. He could do more than you could ever imagine. And um, so I'm just going to say this prayer. And if, if you want to say, God, I'm done playing the games. I, I say one thing, I do another. I am all in. I am all yours. You want him to come in and forgive your sin and, and start new uh, this last day of a, a year right before we start a new one. I want you to just pray this prayer and repeat it after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I need your forgiveness. I believe that you died for my sins. I want to turn from my sins. I now invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, Jesus is doing something brand new in your life. And, um, and the old is gone, the new has come. And, um, and I'm excited for what God has for you. As we just close our time together uh, tonight, I'm just going to ask you, if, if you have your Bible, if you could take that out and turn to Luke chapter 2. In the back of your bulletin is a place for sermon notes, and I just want you to write three simple words down. To remember these words in a brand new year, because I believe these are the words of the Lord for us. And um, so I just want to share these with you. We're starting 2012, and a lot of people ask about numbers in the Bible, and the number 12 is the number of what we call, in theology, governmental perfection. And so that may not mean anything right, now, right, right away, but it's governmental perfection. And what that means is that God establishes his kingdom in the, with the number 12, we're in 12 parts. And we see that in the Old Testament, uh, for instance, probably the biggest example are the 12 tribes uh, you see in the New Testament, 12 apostles. And then even, uh, it's not even to this realm, it's also into the heavenly realm that, that you'll notice when you read through the book of Revelation, uh, in heaven, and the way God sets it up, he sets it up in the number 12. And so um, that's just how God sets things up. He sets them up in the number 12. And I believe that God is always doing something in our life, that he wants to do something new, he wants to do something fresh. But I believe what we need to do is allow God to set up his plan in our life. And I love that it's 2012, and if that's the year of, of perfection, governmental perfection, and his rule, his reign, 
Let him do it in your life this year. Say, God, whatever you desire, I want you to do in my life. Uh, this year coming up is, a, is an election year. And uh, I was in Iowa all last week. And you would not believe the amount of political ads that are running in Iowa right now. I think every ad on television and radio is vote for this person, vote for that person. If I wasn't confused before I left this week, I'm really confused now. And, and it's like, again, everybody wants to win Iowa. And I just think about God just wanting to win your heart. Let 2012 be the year that you say, God, you have full reign in my heart and in my life. Set it up any way that you want. Whatever you want to do, God, I am all in with you. We're going to look at Luke chapter 2 because we see Jesus' birth in, in Luke chapter 2 and in Matthew chapter uh, 2 as well. But um, there's a lot about Jesus' birth. There's not a lot about his early childhood, about his growing up years. And, and yet we have a few verses from Luke chapter 2. And, and I just want to take a look and examine what we know about Jesus as a little boy and then apply it to our life in a brand new year. And like I said, I was going to give you three words that I'd like you to write down and, 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 and put in your heart. And the first one comes from one of the first events in his life in Luke chapter 2, beginning at verse 22. It'll be on the screen behind me, but you can look it up in your Bible as well. It says, When the time for purification according to the law of Moses had been completed, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord. We see Jesus in one of the very first acts that's ever done in his life is a, is a, a moment of dedication or consecration. You see those words there. Just as we dedicated baby Nathan to the Lord tonight, Jesus was brought to the temple and was dedicated. We see that Mary and Joseph raised Jesus in a place that would, he would know God and they would follow what God said, that they'd be obedient to God. And so they brought him just according to the plan of God, to what God wanted them to do. But when Jesus shows up with this very ordinary young man and young woman, Joseph and Mary, and he was just a little baby, he didn't have a glow about him, there was nothing special about him as they walked in. Yet when he walked in, prophetically, two people recognized exactly who he was. Simeon recognized, and you can read more about that as he begins to give a prophetic word over Jesus' life and the things that he will do and the person that he was. And Anna, who recognized him, she had spent her entire life in the temple. She had never left ever since she was widowed. She had been there probably for 60, 80 years, and, and she's just worshiping the Lord, giving herself to the Lord, and she recognizes this child, and she begins to proclaim who Jesus is. And so we see in this dedication or this consecration moment that there's a prophetic word spoken over his life. And he belonged to the Father. He only did the Father's will. He was empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so he did everything he was asked to do. And I want to tell you that there is a prophetic plan for your life as well. That God says, I want to do something in you that only I can do. I want you to follow me. I want you to be led of the Holy Spirit. And, and maybe you've even had a prophetic word over your life. God wants to do something in your life. And that's why we need to say at the beginning of 2012, say, God, I am dedicating myself to you. I'm consecrating myself to you. I belong to you. 
Why not rededicate, reconsecrate your life to God in 2012? Just as Jesus was on eight days old, that, that you too would be dedicated to the Lord. We also see in Luke chapter 2 and at verse 40, it says, and the child grew, and again, this is after the visit to the temple. As the child grew, he became strong, was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. We see that Jesus matured, that there was a maturity that, that happened in Jesus' life as he grew up. He grew and he matured as a man. He grew in wisdom and in grace. And I believe that 2012 for you is a year for maturity, that God wants to grow you up in him. If there's one thing we read in the New Testament over and over and over again is that we are called to be mature, not to be babies, just kind of going over the same things we've always gone over with God. But he wants us to be mature. He wants us to take the next step in him. And so how do you develop this maturity in your life? Well, you connect with God. Whether it be through worship or through the word or whatever, you connect with God. We do that as a church. We connect people to God. We, we worship, we teach, we care, we share. All those things are a part of connecting to God. Reading through his word in a month is a way to get God's word, his story, into your story. And so you've got to connect with God that way. That's why Wednesday night, we just pray and worship. It's just about connecting with God. And when we connect with God, He grows us up. He matures us. And I believe that this is a year that God wants to grow you up and take you to the next level. A little farther down in Luke chapter 2, Jesus goes to the temple again. Now this time, He's 12 years old. And I taught a little bit about that in our Life of Christ class. But the verses that follow, uh, Mary and Joseph finding him in the temple are these. In verse 51, it says, Then he went down to Nazareth and was with them and was obedient to them. But his, his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. We see that when Jesus was growing up, that maturity, he was obedient and I want to talk about obedience in our life. That this is the year to just be obedient to God. If there's one thing that marked Jesus' life, it was his obedience to the Father's will. Obedience to the Spirit's leading. And we're called to be followers of Christ. That's what disciple means. We're called to be his followers. We should be obedient as well. And I was just meditating on obedience this week, and it really began to trigger my mind. Do you know what obedience is? It's simply faith. It's that I believe what God says, whether it be through his word, whether it be through my time with him, whether it be through prophetic word, that I believe what God says. And then I act on that. I obey because I have faith. I have faith that the Holy Spirit is going to lead me. I have faith in God's plan being one that is good. I believe that I need to set my heart not on the things of this world, but on things above. That I begin to focus not on what I'm going through or what I've been through, but I begin to focus on Him and His plan. Let me give you another verse here. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. It says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. When we set our goals, and I wrote about this in the Bible blog in the bulletin, when we set our goals, a lot of times we have all these goals, like, you know, personal and family and, 
and, and business or occupation. And then we have these spiritual goals as well. But the reality is, is that all of our goals should be spiritual goals. We should have God a part of all of our life, everything that we do. We need to be focused on Him. And when Jesus was obedient, we see that He grew in things like favor, that He grew in favor with God, that He grew in maturity, that He grew in these things. And, and I want to tell you, as we've talked about so clearly, is you can't make God love you more, right? I mean, there's no way you can. God just loves you. There's no way you can make Him love you more. But there is, way, there is a way, and we see it in Jesus' life, that you can grow in favor or increase in favor. And favor isn't, well, my life's easy and comfortable and I've got a lot of money. No, favor is just that kindness of God, that blessing of God that's upon your life, that he is with you and and close to you. And and, and what he does is he takes our lives and he does something great. Because I think about Mary, who was highly favored in her life. Her life was not easy in any way. But you know what's great about Mary? Is that what was impossible with man was or was impossible with man, it was possible with God. That's what favor does. It makes the impossible possible in our life. When we become obedient, and what I love about Mary is that she was enthusiastic when God said, I want to do this in your life. And, and, and we, we think it's like, this is, you know, it's a big deal. It's not going to be easy. She wanted whatever God was going to do in her life. She said, God, I want everything. I want it all. Even though it might be difficult, even though it might, people might talk, and I, I just, I don't, but God, whatever you want, I want it all. I'm an available, willing vessel. When you become that, just sit back and watch what God will do. I, I want us to get in our hearts and our lives that, that we need to follow Jesus in this way. That just as we, he grew and he developed, these things should be a part of our life. The dedication, the obedience. We, we, should, we should definitely be increasing in favor and maturing as we go. And I believe God wants to do something new in a new year in your life. And so I'm going to invite Jonathan to come up and we're going to pray. But I just want to encourage you that God is doing something. And you might feel like, I don't think he really is. Maybe he's doing something in your life, Daryl. Maybe he's doing something in the church, but I don't feel like he's doing anything in my life. And I want to tell you that God is doing something in your life. When we were driving across Iowa, I don't know if I have a picture or not, but as we were driving across Iowa, it's funny to look out and just see that barren farmland. It's like a brown, a gray. It's just, it's just, it's just dead. It looks so dead. And... Um, as I was driving by it, I, I was thinking of, of just how we some feel that way sometimes. We just, we just feel like, I, I think it's over. I think it's all gone. I think it's been cut down, and we're just left for dead. And, and the thing is, is I know that when I go back in the spring, that ground's going to be kind of all torn up, and, and, God, and there's going to be some new, new seed put in that ground. And then when I come back in the summer, it's going to be green and lush. When I go back in the fall, it's going to be time for harvest. And what we think is dead is just actually lying a little dormant right now. It's just a season. God has something new. And that's what I want to tell you about 2012. God's got something new for you. You might be in a time where everything is growing and it's great and there's a harvest coming in. Or you might just feel like, man, it is just dead. But I want to tell you, God is in the business of doing something new and fresh in our life. 
And so I just encourage you tonight as we pray to do something new for God. Make a commitment. A great thing to do at the beginning of a new year is fast. And I'm not just talking about food. I mean, you can fast food and believe God, and there's, there's a lot of great fasts that are taking place in, in the kingdom of God right now. If you want to do that, you can do that. But I'm talking about just saying, I'm going to fast from television. I'm going to fast from Facebook. I'm going to fast from this. I'm going to fast from that. Um, I'm, going to, I'm just going to spend some more time with God as we begin a new year. I'll give him the first 12 days of a new year to allow him to do something in my life. Maybe it's showing up on Wednesday night and saying, I'm just going to pray. I'm just going to worship God. Maybe it's just saying, you know what? I've never even thought about reading the Bible through in a year, but I'm going to do it this month. I don't know what it is for you, but I want you to give God your life and watch what he'll do. Because he'll do more than you could ever ask or think. This is a new year. It's a new time as we just pray for the next couple minutes here to just say, God, I'm dedicating my life to you. I am consecrating myself to you. I belong to you. I don't belong to myself or this world. I belong to you. It's the time to say, you know what, God? I want to go to new depths in you in a new year. I want to grow up. I want to go to the next level. I don't want to do the same thing I've done every year in church. I want to know you in a deeper way. I want to get closer to you in a deeper way. I want you to be obedient and and just say, God, I'm a willing vessel. And when you are a willing vessel, his favor will be unleashed on you. That undeserved kindness, that blessing of God. It's not always easy, but it's always good. So would you bow your heads and your hearts with me tonight? And and before John leads us in a song to kind of conclude our time together, I just want you to have a time to pray. Make this a moment of dedication, consecration. We've we saw what happened in Shoresh's life when he dedicated his life to Jesus. What's going to happen tonight when you dedicate your life to God? When you do that right now, what's going to happen in 2012 will be amazing. So why don't you just say, God, I'm all yours. And allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Maybe he's going to lead you into a season of fasting from food or from something. Maybe he's going to say to you, hey, I want you to read through my word. Hey, I want you to be at every prayer meeting that's on the calendar. Hey, I want you just to, to show up and worship me and be close to me. Whatever it is, just spend a, a few moments with the Lord right now, consecrating yourself, dedicating yourself, saying, God, I belong to you in this new year.